Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. Betty, what are you doing? <laughs> just, uh, I just had a big old string come out of my boxers. It's Wes. But I do think about Pop-Tarts a lot. And Walker. Is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do, I do, I do. Ooh. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. This is why I would invest in this show. That's a promo. Our buddy Smoke just walked in the studio. Talking about this, talking about that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Rick and Morty, a scene from that show. Yeah. We were talking about it. I said, you know what? I've seen clips from Rick and Morty. I don't watch it a ton, but I know people love it. We know LaMelo Ball loves it. Dude's got shoes I love dedicated shoe. to Rick and Morty. Yes, you you wear them a decent amount. <laughs> and Fitty just blurts out, Walker, you look like a character out of Rick and Morty. Right. I, and Smoke immediately agreed and said, oh, you're right. He does. He said it quick and then kept quick. going. What are you saying? Real quick. He said, yeah, you do. And so, yeah. Uh, da, da. Which, which like hits a little bit more because that's just how you know it's a fact. Yeah. Fiddy stopped everything, said it. Smoke said, oh, yeah, no, you're right. He does. And then just kept going with it. Like, okay, there's no debating this. Let's just move on. I asked you why, Fiddy. Did you come up with an answer as to why I look like a Rick and Morty character? I mean, I thought I gave you a nice uh, answer. I said it's the way that your head looks disproportionate to your body. No, that's really nice. Thank you. Um, it's your jawline that I'm very envy of. Envious of, but and okay. And then you have, you know, the the lankiest arms in the Queen City. Is that are those Rick and Morty character characteristics? I'm just saying, if we were to put you into Rick and Morty, you would not look out of place. I'll tell you this: I think I don't know why. I really don't, but I can see it myself. As much as I'm trying to fight it, I'm looking at some Rick and Morty characters. I'm like, damn it, they're right. Yeah, I mean, like you, we could have said you like a South Park character. Yeah, that's worse. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all so weird. Every single one of them. Yeah, that that's true. That's Thank probably you. where I fall in line. I probably am a South Park character in real life. You know what animated character you are. <laughs> you know what it is. Go ahead and tell them. <laughs> Damn it, Bobby. That's my purse. <laughs> I don't know you. You're definitely Bobby Hill. But I love Bobby Hill. And I love King of the Hill. And I love you too. Because wow. I love you, I want to give you this platform to conduct the live wire. Go ahead, Hip Fitty. Open up the doors and live let's get off the live wire. <laughs> Give respect for they realness. I know you feel this. All right. Got a lot of good Panther audio lined up for you guys. We'll start with Frank Reich's uh, comments from yesterday. And maybe this was maybe just a subtle hint that maybe Bryce isn't going to be able to go when the Panthers travel to the coffee capital of the world this weekend when they go play the Seattle Seahawks. We talked about the potential benefit that Bryce Young uh, could gain if he sits this weekend's game out. 
just the struggles the offense has had the first couple of weeks to, to, to be an observer and sit back and watch a little bit and let Andy handle it? And would that be a benefit to him at all, just sort of hypothetically? Well, I, you know, I don't want to get into the hypotheticals. Um, I just think, you know, Bryce is the kind of player that no matter what his status is, he's going to always be working to get better. I, that's just that's just who he is. I, that's how I think he'll operate. So, and I have that confidence in him in that. He ain't playing. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going. I don't think he's going to play either. Now, Thomas Brown, as we mentioned earlier, he did say, I trust that rookie to start a game in Seattle, even if he has missed a week of practice. This is, in theory, part of the reason you drafted him, because he is so smart and can understand the playbook at a level a lot of other rookies entering the NFL can't. At the same time, it doesn't feel like this would be the greatest situation to put him in. If he has any type of injury, Wes, I would lean more towards that he probably isn't going to play against Seattle on Sunday. Yeah, nothing is pointing to the fact that he will play in this football game, so I don't feel very confident about it, and I don't think many people should. What else you got for us, Vic? All right, now we'll hear from the Panthers coordinators. Ajero Avero, he spoke earlier today, and we lamented the struggles Carolina had on Monday stopping the Taysom Hill package. Whenever the Saints were in a short yardage situation, they brought in the running quarterback. He talked about how difficult it is to change your defense on the fly to stop that type of offense. You really have two options. One, you either you play with play cover zero, you take somebody out of the post, and that's how you get your numbers advantage. And if you don't do that, you got to steal a gap with someone else. You know, someone's got to play two gaps, and so it's tough. You know, and uh, that's the unique uh, deal that Taysom Hill pre- presents is because there's not anybody in the league that could do that, that can throw the ball the way he does and run the ball and run not just run the ball but run for power. And uh, you know, they had a, some a couple of effective deals against us and. Uh, you know, it's one of those deals we just have to adjust and be ready for it next time. So Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, those guys can't run and throw the ball the way Taysom Hill can, Jero? With the same physicality, maybe not. But I called the guy Taysom a million times, so I clearly know nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, though, when you talk about those quarterbacks, they're more traditional quarterbacks, and that's what you prepare for all week in practice. And, of course, you practice for a heel, too. But I just think that when he comes in the game, I think you're so much more tilted towards thinking it's going to be some type of design run, but then you're still a little bit off balance because he can throw it. And I think that's the difference. When you're playing against a quarterback who can run, then you got to prepare for that all week. And you know they're going to more than likely pass first. But you know Taysom Hill is run first, but then he can surprise you with a throw because they don't throw it with him a ton. But I think that's why he's a little bit more difficult. All right, we've got some people writing in about how I definitely look like a character from Rick and Morty. Not too many people can explain why, but they just feel like it's true. And yes, I know it is true. I hate you, Fiddy, for bringing that up. (laughs) But all you're doing is speaking facts. And I will say this, another one going at you. 704 texted in, said Fiddy could be a mashup between Bobby Hill and Cartman, which is rude. No wonder why I'm single and loveless. (laughs) Maybe maybe (laughs) physically it's more Bobby Hill and maybe language and uh, maybe more so the way you speak is Carbon. <laughs> maybe that's the way that uh, 704 is thinking. What else you got for us, Vinny? All right, now we'll move over to the offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown. He spoke today, and we've talked a lot about the lack of separation these wide receivers are getting in the passing game. Here's his exchange he had with the media earlier today. When it comes to receivers getting open, 
Is it more about the route running or the scheme of the play? I'm, I'm just curious because it seems like there might be times where Bryce has a hard time finding an open guy. I would say it's both. Uh, and to, to kind of uh, add on to that, being the National Football League, the windows are really small. I mean, every now and then you have some free runners, somebody busts a coverage, but if guys are playing with great technique, especially from a DB standpoint, they're playing, whether it be press man or they're in a zoning look, a three deep zone look, but pressing on the outside, there's not going to be much separation. So it's more about the timing, anticipation, the operation overall for us, for us offensively to kind of get better when it comes to guys being open. But, um, you know, that's what comes to the territory about playing receiver in the NFL. Why are you laughing, Fiddy? Sorry. <laughs> All right, I guess that means we can't ask No, no, someone texted in that I look like Majid Boo, which is a Dragon Ball Z character. And and Majid Boo, that's what the name is? I, I guess, I don't know how to pronounce. I'm not a Dragon Ball Z geek. Um, but you looked it up and you're yeah. laughing now. Yeah, I'm screwed. Okay, all right, sorry. <laughs> look, the, the, the animated characters that we look like has really taken us off the rails here. Let's try to bring it back and ask Wes what he thinks about those comments about receivers getting open and some of the problems that you've had in the passing game between Bryce and his skill guys. Yeah, more on the graph that we talked about yesterday that came out courtesy of Judah Fort Gang of Pro Football Focus. They said he's currently the most accurate thrower in the NFL into open windows. Yeah. However, the tough part is that uh, they said that while the y-axis shows us that he has the very best completion rate into open windows at approximately 80%, the x-axis represents how many of his throws go into said spots. They said outside of Derek Carr, Young has the lowest concentration of attempts into open windows. So there's a little nugget for you guys to know that, hey, if guys are getting open, Bryce is going to find you. They're just not getting open enough. And so I think what Thomas said is he didn't want to throw any of his guys under the bus. But he's just saying that basically it's a mix of everything. And sometimes Bryce is not going to find every single guy that gets open. I mean, that's going to be impossible. But I think you're seeing that if you guys if guys can get open, Bryce will find them based on this graph. But I think Thomas was just trying to take care of everybody and not uh, pass the buck. I think you see that play out. That graph does pass the eye test as well. Mm -hmm. And we both gave Bryce a lot of the blame, too. A blame to be shared, Bryce Young included. But if you do watch a C.J. Stroud or even an Anthony Richardson, we'll see them try an open guy downfield and overshoot him. It happened against Jacksonville when the Colts were coming back a little bit in that game. And Anthony Richardson just missed somebody because it's also his first game ever in the NFL. We haven't seen Bryce Young just flat out miss an open dude yet, right? Like, can we think of who that was an egregious yeah, like miss. a one hopper or different stuff like yeah. that where the balls are just horrible? Yeah, I, I haven't seen any that I can think of. Yeah, I can't think of any either. The problem is you need to not be as risk averse. Thomas Brown did say when you're open in the NFL, it it's not nearly as visible as it might be in college. So you need to go ahead and let that thing fly. And the accuracy that Bryce Young has, you predict that he's going to complete that pass. Mm-hmm. So interesting stuff there. Yeah, the, the wide receiver separation, whether they're open or not, scheme. I hope that that all comes together and everybody's able to figure out the different problems that you have in each area. Because I think we might be making too much of one thing or the other. J.T. O'Sullivan with the QB School podcast, he's saying there's just nobody open. Dan Orlovsky on the broadcast, there's nobody open. You know, 
hopefully the passing offense just fixes itself, man. We 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 I think the fans, I think the fans really need to see that. What you got for us, Vinny? All right, and undoubtedly it's Majin Boo. And I I was supposed to know that as someone who never paid any attention to Dragon Ball Z because I was a Yu-Gi-Oh guy growing up. That was where I had my attention. Okay. Um, all right. So the last thing we'll get to here, and I'm really frustrated I have to talk about this. Because I spend a lot of time finding the type of audio I want to play. And then Walker in a break said, nah, bleep that. That's not that's not what we're talking about. Like Micah Parsons is out here growling on the football field, scaring rookies. <laughs> Sam Howell's progressing at an unbelievable rate with the commanders, but nah. Now we gotta talk about the Hornets. Potentially maybe trading for a guy. That is the same caliber of dude that they didn't resign in Kelly Oubre. Oh my God! Controlling the narrative. Nineteen million dollar a year contract is he's on the market. And what's funny is I was on the phone with Hogger last night, and I actually thought I, I was like Walker's going to want to talk about this, but I'm have to make fun of him because I know they're not the exact same player, but volume shooter would be coming off the bench to score for Charlotte. If you're wanting to trade for him, why would you not just re-sign Kelly Oubre? Walker, tell me why or why not Mitch Kupchak and the Hornets should be interested in trading for Buddy Heald. Because these guys are playing entirely different sports when it comes to efficiency at what they do. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly Oubre had his role. I don't want to be a Kelly hater, but the dude is signing for a vet men and... $19 $19 million is what Buddy Hield is making right now because there is a case that he could be the second best shooter in the league. He's at least top 10, probably top five. He's that good outside of Stephen Curry. Now, what I don't think is going to happen is that the Hornets are actually going to be able to pull off a trade. It's going to be hard. He's making $19 million. The way that it would happen is if the Pacers are desperate for a three guard or for a small forward. And they have a couple of power forwards now trading for Obi Toppin, drafting Jarris Walker. They have some backcourt guys, Benedict Matherin, Tyrese Halliburton, you're starting one and two. They don't really have any threes that you feel comfortable with. So if their goal is to compete this season, maybe you could have some type of Buddy Heald, Daniel Tice come aboard in exchange for Gordon Hayward. Both are expiring contracts, so it wouldn't be like you were taking on long-term money. It would make sense that way. But I think Buddy is going to be very coveted on the trade market. I think you're going to have to give up draft capital. And at that point, I'd feel pretty reluctant to give up draft capital for Buddy Heald, Wes. What do you think? My buddy. My buddy. Remember? Nah, y'all no, definitely like too young. But anyway, uh, yeah, as far as Fiddy's argument, I mean, Buddy Heald's effective field goal percentage is 55%. Kelly Oubre's is... Uh, 50. So, uh, and Buddy wow, Hill's 5% a five percent difference. But that's not <laughs> night and day. <laughs> and Buddy Hill's a forty percent three point shooter uh, compared to Kelly Oubre's thirty three percent. So I think he's a little bit more consistent. Yeah, there, Buddy Hill's worst three point shooting percentage would be better than Kelly's best three point shooting percentage. Yeah, so I think just, I just want to say, yeah, if the Hornets want to add a guy that's going to spread the floor, we know Lamelo's going to find open guys. I think he would be a great fit as far as the type of shooter that he is and what he would provide to space the court even more for the Charlotte Hornets. So I think it wouldn't be a bad move if they went and got him. 
Offensively, it would be the electric factory in the yeah. backcourt. I mean, just making it rain all over the place. 40% two guys, especially with LaMelo off the dribble, setting up Buddy. Big shooters, big steppers. And if you look at some of the advanced stats, Buddy Heald like, runs more than anybody out on the floor, like Rip Hamilton style coming off. The- you love Rip Hamilton. Don't give me that head shaking because you talk about how much you love the 0-4 Pistons. The, the stupid stats you find to justify why you like guys, like total points added, block great percentage no that's miles ran per game i mean <laughs> <laughs> i love miles red you're just out there doing wind sprints and i'll love it i will find it all right that'll do it for the live wire i what we'll play the lion growl okay if he's prowling if he's growling i don't know what michael parsons is doing but we'll play it a little bit later on in the show we do got to get back to some more college football talk that's coming up next wesson walker sports radio 92.7 wfnz McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Folks, some do like it hot. We definitely do here at the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The texts have been rolling all day long. Keep them coming, 704-570-9610. And getting back into more college football talk. And, man, I know we've talked about already the fact that this could be arguably one of the best quarterback draft classes in the history of the draft, really, when you look at all the quarterbacks that are there. And so I saw a great graphic the other day on social media, and they were talking about how this year's Heisman race, they said, quote, insane. And so when I looked at all the candidates, I said to myself, goodness gracious, off of the quarterbacks alone, I'm like, this could be the greatest Heisman race ever because I feel like when you get down to it, like, mid-season, eight, nine games in, you start to kind of get a feel for who the Heisman finalists may be. But let me just rattle off some of the quarterbacks that are in this graphic alone. Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, Shadur Sanders, Bo Nix, Sam Hartman, J.G. McCarthy, and Jordan Travis from Florida State. Now, we know that the college football playoffs automatically propels you into a different light. So if you're the quarterback of a college football playoff team and you're the catalyst for said team, that's automatically going to put you into that discussion. We're not even talking about skill guys. There are plenty of skill players that could be in the mix for this deal. 
Travis Hunt is probably out of it now because of the injuries that he sustained. He's going to be gone for a while. But, man, could this be the greatest? I I will even take the hyperbole, hyperbole off of ever and say of our lifetime, I can't think of a year we are, matter of fact, a few weeks into the season and have so many guys that will have great cases for this award. One that comes to mind immediately is 05. Mm-hmm. Vince Young, Matt Leiner, Reggie, Reggie Bush. Bush. No so doubt. I think that trio, that's one that comes to mind immediately. That was a fan. I believe that was true, right? Those are the top three vote getters, like 05, mm-hmm. 06, something mm-hmm. like that. I looked up on Google the closest Heisman races here recently, and not even just recently. He gave us of all time. 2009 was really close. It didn't have the star-studded names that we have at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. But if you go back in 2009, Mark Ingram, running back of Alabama, would win the Heisman Trophy. And a couple of the other guys that were in the mix, Toby Gerhardt, who ran for a ton, but also like the last him. game of the season, uh, or excuse me, the Cardinal missed its shot at the Pac-12, Pac-10 title at the time. They lost to California. So that hurt Toby Gerhardt's case. Colt McCoy was another option who had a very nice career at Texas, but he threw three interceptions and was sacked nine times in a narrow 13 to 12 win over Nebraska. That was in the big 12 title game. And in that same game, somebody else emerged as a candidate in Indomitian Sioux, who was a wrecking crew at that time. I remember him picking up some real steam to possibly win that Heisman. So that was real close just all across the board where a bunch of dudes were winning it. And remember, we didn't have a whole lot of running backs winning it if your name wasn't Reggie Bush. Still one of the better college football players we've ever seen in our lifetime. So that's the best I can come up with, Wes. But you're right. If Drake May continues to ball out. I and think, Drake May. Yeah, Drake May, who is on the list still pretty far down right now at plus 3,500 with the latest odds. But we know Drake May could climb up there. Jordan Travis, Caleb Williams, Shador Sanders, Travis Hunter, unfortunately getting hurt. That's going to knock him out, I would have to say. You're right, Wes. It deserves to be talked about with some of the other fantastic races that we've seen, certainly in the last couple decades. Yeah, and then when you talk about the skill guys, so there's no real receiver to speak of at this point. There are guys that are balling, but the nation's leading receiver right now is Gage Larvadane from Miami of Ohio. So I don't think we'll have to worry about him uh, coming to New York. And then you look at the rest of the top 10 there, obviously great players, but not on teams that are going to be able to have them. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is another guy that could come And if he continues to put up big numbers, he's certainly going to be in the discussion. And some of these guys, uh, you know, Michael Penix's receiver, Rome Adunze, I hope I didn't butcher his name too bad, but he's the second leading receiver. So some guys could end up, they're not going to be in consideration because everybody's going to be looking at Penix. And then when you look at Notre Dame, so this is another curious case. They are the nation's leading rusher, uh, Audric Estime, with over 500 yards rushing already, he's having a fantastic season. But I think Sam Hartman will probably take away the attention from the season that he's having. And so it's just very intriguing. It's fun, man, when you go into yeah. this with so many people to pick for. And just to give you guys uh, a quick glance at the odds. And I look at the aggregate, but I'm going to take the the one from DraftKings at the moment. And it's Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Quinn Ewers, Sam Hartman, Jordan Travis, Shador, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, Dylan Gabriel's in the mix as well. Then you got Mike uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., Tyler Van Dyke also 
in there as well. So there are a lot of players. And Tyler Van Dyke, you can't rule him out either. He's playing great, great football right now. He's number one in PFF when you talk offensive grade and passing grade. And if Miami can somehow continue to do what they do and get to Charlotte with a maybe a one-loss record or something like that, who knows what that could do for him as well. But as I said, I'm just really enjoying it. And it looks like it's more than likely going to be a quarterback award this year because I don't see any other way that somebody leapfrogs any of these great quarterbacks with these teams and the seasons that they could have. I'm still going to go with Caleb Williams to win his third straight, but I mean second straight, but man, does he have a ton of competition to be able to get that award. Jeffrey from Concord wrote in, what about the Randy Moss, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson Heisman race? This was great, and people are bringing up trios, and the thing that I'm trying to emphasize is the fact that there are Pretty much all these guys that I named, the, the, the quarterbacks especially, at this point, all of their cases are still very strong. I think the staying power, Caleb Williams is going to have it. Yes. Shador Sanders is going to have it. Quinn think, Ewers will have it. I think Quinn Ewers will have it as well. Sam Hartman's going to have it, I think. They got some big games coming up. What now, about my boy Michael Penix over there, Fiddy? Is Michael Penix going to st- have enough staying power to be in the mix legitimately to the point where he'll be up there top five? I think so. I think he's the best quarterback in the country that nobody talks about. Because how many people are staying up to watch Washington play football at 10, 10.30 at night on a Saturday? I can agree with, with Fiddy on that. He yes. might be the best deep ball thrower in the country. Like I know statistically PFF, Drake, like Drake May led in a lot of those categories a year ago. But I don't know if anybody in college football throws a prettier deep ball than Michael Penix Jr. Well, the thing about him, too, is he's going to have a lot of chances to be able to do it because the Pac-12 has been so good. He's got Oregon coming up in a few weeks. Then he's got a gauntlet of USC, Utah, Oregon State, and Washington State to finish the season. So we know the Heisman is all about moments, too. And if he... I don't think they will, but let's just say hypothetically they ran the table or only finished with one loss with all of these huge games on his resume. I mean, he could get a trip to New York. I think what's interesting about all of this, it's that we called a lot of the excitement that's happening already in college football. Yes. It is living up to the hype. And for me, somebody that would rank college football as the least favorite of the top four, if you will, mm-hmm. college basketball, NBA, college, you know, pro f- football. You get the idea. I would rank college football fourth on that list. Uh-huh. And this season I got really excited. Uh-huh. Uh, you would just see all the different storylines, especially in the ACC being an ACC country, man, we all talked about how we thought this season, the conference was going to finish in a better place than it started. Even with Drake may having some interceptions, still going to be a top flight prospect. Jordan Travis is here. He has not, he has not, you know, dodged the hype, right? He's welcomed it and he's lived up to it. And you open up with a monster win against LSU. This college football season continues to deliver, especially with this kind of weekend, Wes. We've been waiting for weekend four and we're going to get it in a big old way. Clemson, Florida State is a noon game. What's funny is that North Carolina and Pitt is kicking off at eight. Is You know, I like North Carolina probably should switch that up but <laughs> yeah. I, I like it get, we'll get a big old game happening at
at noon, and that'll be a lot of fun. This college football season, as much as I anticipated it, it's lived all the way up to the hype and then some for me. And so then another discussion and another reason we've been so excited, Deion Sanders, we've talked about him a lot. We talked about swaggy coaches just a few segments ago. But And I talked about all of the different things to Dion's persona and how he's done it in such a different way, a different way than what we've seen before. And so do you feel like, Walker, a, a lot of chatter has been going around about will he go to the NFL or mm-hmm. which big program might he go to after Colorado? But do you feel like getting on the discussion we talked about earlier with Thomas Brown and African-American coaches, do you feel like – that this is going to open the door in college football for more African-American coaches or ex-players of maybe not necessarily Dion's caliber, but more uh, ex-NFL greats, ex-college football greats to get longer looks and get hired by teams. I think it might be that, the latter. What I, what I think is probably going to happen is, all right, Dion is going to what was Jackson State, right? Mm-hmm. Jackson State winning there and loud, boisterous, winning football games, recruiting at such a high level where you're getting five stars to come to your program. Hey, we ain't got nothing to lose, man. Let's take a shot. That's what Colorado decided. I mean, this is even, we talked about it with Colin earlier today, where Colorado decided to give Deion Sanders a percentage of ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Very Michael Jordan-esque. They could get that salary down because they couldn't pay him at first. Right. Yeah. And so now you're going to get a percentage of ticket sales in order to bring Dion, and then you come out of the gates winning you know, three games in a row, upsetting TCU right off of the rip. Yeah, I do think that when we talk about Dion Sanders, I think former players immediately getting into that role, they might be taken a little more seriously now. I think that, too, you look at the fact that the guest list, I put in our group chat the other day, the guest list for the Colorado-USC game is a who's who. You're talking Diddy, LeBron, 50 Cent, uh, numerous NFL players, numerous big-time entertainers. We haven't seen this on the college football scene since USC's heyday. And so another thing I heard this morning, so people don't think, oh, it's just you guys talking about this. No, I heard this morning on Undisputed, Keyshawn and the crew was talking about this, and he had an interesting thought about Dion going to the NFL, and he was saying that, and I asked the question, are we witnessing history? Because he was saying that he thinks Dion will go to the NFL to open up the doors and the eyes and I guess the ears of these owners because we know it's a topic every offseason to hire more African-American coaches. Do you think that that's a possibility that he could go to the NFL to be able to open the door for others if no other reason? I mean, maybe, but the college football actually has more of a problem hiring African-American coaches right now than the NFL does. If you look at just the sheer volume, at least with offensive coordinators, I should say. I know we were talking about that a little bit, Mm -hmm. but if you look at offensive coordinators at least, I believe only 9% according to the latest study that I saw, part of the athletic. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking specifically offensively, then maybe that opens up the doors for all sorts of coaching openings, right, that might happen. But I'm interested in just how much Dion would work in the NFL, right? So Dion has full authority over everything that goes on with that organization. And it feels like Dion wants all of the power as a coach, right? Like, as we talk about college coaches, Making that jump to the NFL, we oftentimes discuss, hey, they're a dictator. They run everything. Dion is running everything, okay? Like, Dion is very much that to the Colorado football program. I wonder if that attitude is welcomed by coaches in the and by players in the NFL locker room because players are supporting it now. Like, Odell Beckham Jr., he's out here wearing a Travis Hunter t-shirt. 
it's so cool. I do wonder if that bravado talking about my playing days, a lot of NFL players don't want to hear that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I could be wrong about this. I've just, or do players want to hear Dion talk about how great he was in his day? Or do you want to hear how you're going to make me better and treat me like a professional? Are you going to try to do the whole dictator thing like you're doing with a lot of these other college football teams? Mm -hmm. That's what's interesting is I wonder if he fits in the NFL as much. But he might get that opportunity. He really might. And then there's only one way to find out. Would be very interesting. I could see maybe NFL teams clamoring for for what he can bring as far as the cachet that he brings. I don't think he would take that type of tone with the NFL players, but also I see him more as the father figure uh, type, and that's why I think he should stay in college, and that's what I think he's going to do anyway. But uh, closing this thing out as we're up against it, though, got to talk about your Charlotte 49ers. We talked about Biff Pogey and the war path that he was on post-game. They traveled down to the Swamp. And a game that a couple of weeks ago we thought Charlotte might be able to compete just a little bit. Yeah. But then Florida comes out, trounces Tennessee, so that's looking pretty bleak. But at the end of the day, do you think that Charlotte is going to respond to the Pogey war path? I don't know what practice has been looking like this week, but I do know if I ever heard my head coach say that he was going to be on the war path, I would probably be shaking in my shoes thinking about how rough practice is going to be that week. Well, and, and Hunter Bailey, as you know, friend of the show, he was pointing out some of the comments from Biff Pogey after the post-game press conference, mm -hmm. talking about the responsibilities of the coaching staff. Biff Pogey said, I don't mean that there would be a change in responsibilities in staff. I have complete confidence in the staff. What I was talking about was that I want to make sure that we don't out-coach ourselves. Yeah, sounded pretty bad from a, oh, we might change some coaching responsibility standpoint mm -hmm. after the game. But yeah, you're right. Like Biff Pogey clearly isn't happy. We know about how much he talked before they kicked off in the uh, 2023 season. And if it happens again, if, if you get to a point where you're struggling mightily, even against Florida, a SEC power five traditional football school, I don't think that Biff Pogey is going to take on that excuse, right? If they struggle offensively and defensively like they did last week, even if it is against Florida, Wes, I think Biff Pogey's still going to be pretty pissed off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's not going to be any moral victory. Oh, well, it's Florida. You know, look, they're a great program. We don't take any moral victories, but I am proud of the way that a guy has competed today. They need to compete and be close in this game for Biff Pogey to be happy. And if they get trounced like they did against Georgia State, even if it is a school like Florida, I don't think Biff is going to take that into consideration. He's going to be an angry dude again at the podium, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they're doing some of the things he wants. They average 144 rushing yards a game, but they're 108th in the country in total defense, 100th in total offense. And That's changed a lot. Of 37 on third down. So we'll see if they respond to it this week. But now we're going to respond to Fiddy's last flash of the day. Fiddy, let's get it. Fiddy. A look around your Major League Baseball scoreboard. Two afternoon games uh, going on right now. The Angels and the Rays tied at two in the bottom of the fifth. The Brewers lead the Cardinals six to nothing. They are in the top of the six. Some other series getting underway tonight. My Mets are in Philadelphia, and the Giants are in uh, Los Angeles. They face the Dodgers as they're trying to work their way back into the NL wild card race and. Guys, it's not just Bryce Young who is maybe all questionable to play for Saturday. 
uh, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow day today will not fully practice today. And look, a brutal start to the NFL quarterback injury. You lose Aaron Rodgers on the opening night. Joe Burrow's hurt. Bryce Young is hurt. This is a mini problem for the NFL right out of the gate. Yeah, and I think some of it has to do, too, with the fact that these guys are going from 0 to 100, not playing much in the preseason, and they get into the season and playing at such a high level, man. I think sometimes their bodies aren't quite ready for those type of repeta- uh, rep- repetition. So uh, either way, it stinks because everybody wants to watch the games and see the quarterbacks. I know if the big-time quarterbacks aren't playing, I am definitely not as interested. I know the Bengals got off to a slow start last year. I get that. But the fact that Joe Burrow, after coming back from injury in the offseason, re-aggravated that calf injury, now he might not go on an 0-2 start. This bad start seems a lot more real to the point of, man, in that division, is there a real shot they don't make the postseason? Yeah, this one's a lot more worrisome, in my opinion, than what it was last year. Because Joe, Bur- uh, Joe Burrow still looked okay, but man, it is not look. Jamar Chase, like from a fantasy football standpoint, the most he's put up is eight points or whatever. T. Higgins held without a catch in the first game, even yeah. if it was raining. They look real bad right now. A lot of angry fantasy owners. But when we come back, folks, we're going to close this thing down on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. character I look like apparently Burberry Gary wrote in on the text line Walker all grown up Tommy Pickles is what you look like (laughs) he included a picture just in case anybody wasn't familiar with all grown up Rugrat style purple hair Tommy Pickles I texted him back I said why does this one work too Fiddy, you have something to say about me and Tommy Pickles? I mean, it's a very accurate one. Didn't I one time compare you to the Menace in Toy Story, and that's the one where you got the most mad? What's the kid's name? Is it Sid? I think it's Sid. Yeah, I get I don't like that one. I also don't think that one's true, but also I'll admit that I hope a lot of that one's not true. Yeah, you're not. I mean, that's just me being... That's just you being mean. Yeah, facetious. And also Gabe. <sighs> You can't. Oh yeah, oh Gabe from the office. That one's the worst one. Although I could, I could hear you saying a line. I, I'm a good hugger. I give excellent hugs. People want to hug me. You know that that is something you would say. <laughs> is that not something Fitty would say? Definitely. One hundred and worse, probably. Yes. I would not say that, and I am not. Gabe is way worse. Who would you rather be, Sid 
the toy killer from Toy Story, or Gabe, <laughs> the straight-up weirdo who likes the weirdest horror films that we've ever seen? I'd, I'd rather be Sid. I think I'd rather be Gabe because he gets Aaron. I mean, that's not a bad point, but also I'm just hoping that there's still some room for growth for Sid. <laughs> there's no hope for Gabe. I don't know. Sid was like putting Fruit Loops on Woody's head and like using a magnifying glass to like fry his head. That's true. It's some real serial killer stuff. <laughs> you're right. I don't want to be. Yeah. So I think you're right. That's a tough one. I think I'd rather be Gabe instead of Sid. <laughs> God, what have you done to me picking between those two? Let's go through our Thursday night football picks tonight. The New York Giants take on the San Francisco 49ers. And man, I'm telling you, Wes is doing this. Hey, I don't know. Straight capping. This is the time maybe the Giants woke up in the second half against the Arizona Cardinals, a team actively tanking for Marvin Harrison Jr. and Caleb Williams. I don't know. Maybe, Wes, take the San Francisco 49ers. And no, say I'm taking the Niners. I just said games like this make me leery because you're talking about I just feel like this sports psychology and the Giants could have uh, woken up in their game last week come in feeling like this is a statement game for them to show people that they are still a playoff team. But, no, I'm taking the Niners to get it done tonight. You already know. What kind of score? At least what's the what's the margin of victory? I think be? Brock's going to have a big game tonight. I'm looking at something like 31-20, something like that. Okay. So no, I think the 49er defense is a little angry at the amount of points they gave up to the Rams. I'm going to go 31-14. All right, NASCAR Brad getting in on the action, 31-20. San Francisco 49ers move on to 3-0. and You going to go with San Fran? Yeah, I mean, look, if they don't win this game by three touchdowns, Kyle Shanahan should be there fired. Three touchdowns. How I many NFL games <laughs> do we see every week that people win by three touchdowns? Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've got the Niners big 27-10. My favorite, another fun game to play with Fitty when you're listening is how many guys he's fired during a radio show. Oh, <laughs> how many uh, broadcast personalities, coaches. Oh, okay. okay, but at least I'm not. Did y'all see the dude in Boston? that fired Bill Belichick the other day? I did not see that. This dude, Bill Belichick's won six Super Bowls. He has immunity as much as any coach in the history of coaching. Okay, let let him do something you don't agree with, and then you'll fire him on a win. Could you imagine Fiddy as upper management? God, I can't wait. It would be just... It's my ultimate dream to be a program director. People would be walking around just on eggshells. Well, there wouldn't be anybody walking around. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have fired them all. Betty would do eight straight hours of radio a day. Speaking of X-Files, this is what it would be. I don't know if you guys have seen this episode. It is an old one that scared me one time when I was watching it and I woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep. Yep. Decided to torture myself. By watching an X-Files episode, and it was about this girl's special ability that could send people to the cornfield, and they never came back. Dang. Oh, God. Yep. Scary stuff. That would be Fitty. Yeah. He would send people to the cornfield. I'm not that na- rule. The neighborhood would only, <laughs> it would be completely empty. It would be a ghost town, except for Fitty running the whole business, or at least trying to. Fitty would do eight straight hours of radio, and then each show, he, he'd have a different name. He'd be like, alright, we just finished this show. Get ready for <laughs> Fitty. Then he'd be like, get ready for Joshua. Then he'd say, what do he call himself in the fishbowl? Yoshua or something like Yosh. that? No, JD. He oh, said, no. get ready for JD's nightcap. Like, it'd just all be him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be, I think eight hours is actually selling it short. I think you'd have 12 hours oh. of local programming, yeah. and then he would be mad that he has to do all the work because he fired everybody <laughs> yeah well, right. suck. if i can find some good help around here yeah great i, I gotta do all the work yeah i gotta do all the work around here i gotta he'd do the show board. from the board he'd be just like that the whole time 12 hours of radio gotta sell 
And we all got jobs to do, okay? Now flounder, no, bring him. You do, because you fired well, him. He, he could flounder us, yo. I don't know. They've been awful angry at each other. Yeah, lately. maybe not. His takes have just gotten progressively worse. But he still try to get Flounder to bring him food, though. That's true. That's what he'd have. <laughs> he would. I think he wouldn't want to. He'd get hungry on air, and yeah. then he would call out to Flounder wherever he was listening. Hey, Flounder, <laughs> I want checks wings. Yeah. You didn't make double the pick, ranch, Walker. please. <laughs> I'm doing 12 hours of radio because I can't get the help. I'm sorry. Flounder, bring me some. Bring me a burger <laughs> and some pizza. I'm sorry. I got excited when you fired another head coach. Like Kyle <laughs> what, what's the prediction tonight? Well, no, I made my pick. I said 27-10, but you didn't make yours. And no, if you don't make yours, I'll fire you. <laughs> Actually, I feel like he would do some he would. shady stuff he to would. fire me. His firing <laughs> guidelines would be so minuscule. This, this is the same person, true story, that had a bloody nose, went to our program director, and Jeff asked him, hey, what happened? He said, well, you hired some abusive host. <laughs> right. He's that dirty. He yeah. believed it, though. It, that says more about Ricker than it does me. And he'd also be HR, so. I've got San Fran winning, I don't know, 30. You said 31-20? Yeah. Go 34 uh, But then 20. I went down 31-14. All right. I'll go 34-20. All right. I think it's a big win. Mm. That'll do it. No, I don't think Saquon's going to play. So no, he's out 11. three weeks. All right. There you go. Sure. That'll do it for Wes and Walker. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show, of course, alongside mm. the Ludwig. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.